Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Sunday, March 12th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Definitely worth your while. A lot of good stuff to listen to over there. I would continue to point you at the final link in our show notes. That is for the Vale Valley Baptist Church Give, Send, Go campaign. We are striving there to rapidly pay off our mortgage so we can shift gears and commence establishment of a Christian classic education-based school to provide an alternative to the parents in our area and in our community, obviously. Um to provide them an alternative. So go ahead and click on the link, go read much better description, much more thorough description than I've just given you. And then we would ask three things of you. We'd ask you to pray for us. We'd ask you to prayerfully consider giving to us. And then we would ask you to pass the link along so others can go read under read and see what we're doing and do the same thing to pray and prayerfully consider giving. All right. Well, we're going to jump right in. I'm again, recording this on a Sunday morning instead of the night before. So, uh, I want to go ahead and jump right in because I, I still got to go get go make a homemade mac and cheese for our picnic today that my wife and I do and uh, breakfast and all that and get ready for church. So, and I hope you're doing the same thing. You definitely, if you didn't go to church last night, you need to be going to church today. You need to be worshiping with the saints. Zoom church is not church. Zoom church is an oxymoron. Okay, so you need to be you need to be worshiping with the saints um, unless there is physical reason why you absolutely cannot, you know, health reason or whatever. All right. Well, let's go ahead and open up with our first day morning, with our morning prayer. Of course, being the first day of the week, we're going to use the first day morning prayer from Valley of Vision. Let's pray. O Lord, we commune with thee every day, but weekdays are worldly days and secular concerns reduce heavenly impressions. We bless thee, therefore, for the day sacred to our souls, when we can wait upon thee and be refreshed. We thank thee, for the institutions of religion, by use of which we draw near to thee and thou to us. We rejoice in another Lord's Day, when we call off our minds from the cares of the world and attend upon thee without distraction. Let our retirement be devout, our conversation edifying, our reading pious, our hearing profitable, that our souls may be quickened and elevated. We are going to the house of prayer. Pour upon us the spirit of grace and supplication. We are going to the house of praise, Awaken in us every grateful and cheerful emotion. We are going to the house of instruction. Give testimony to the word preached and glorify it in the hearts of all who hear. May it enlighten the ignorant, awaken the careless, reclaim the wandering, establish the weak, comfort the feeble-minded, make ready a people for their Lord. Be a sanctuary to all who cannot come. Forget not those who never come, and do thou bestow upon us benevolence towards our dependents, forgiveness towards our enemies, peaceableness towards our neighbors, openness towards our fellow Christians. Amen. All right. And now the morning devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. The text for this is from Matthew 5.43. Thou shalt love thy neighbor. Love thy neighbor. 
Perhaps he rolls in riches, and thou art poor, and living in thy little cot side by side with his lordly mansion. Thou seest every day his estates, his fine linen, and his sumptuous banquets. God has given him these gifts. Covet not his wealth, and think no hard thoughts concerning him. Be content with thine own lot, if thou canst not better it. But do not look upon thy neighbor, and wish that he were as thyself. Love him, and then thou wilt not envy him. Perhaps on the other hand thou art rich, and near thee reside the poor. Do not scorn to call them neighbor. Own that thou art bound to love them. The world calls them thy, inferior, thy inferiors. And what are they inferior? They are far more thine equal than thine inferiors. For God hath made of one blood all people that dwell upon the face of the earth. It is thy coat which is better than theirs. But thou art by no means better than they. They are men, and what art thou more than that? Take heed that thou love thy neighbor, even though he be in rags or sunken in the depths of poverty. But perhaps you say, I cannot love my neighbor, because for all I do they return in gratitude and contempt. So much the more room for the heroism of love. Wouldst thou be a feather-bed warrior, instead of bearing the rough fight of love? He who dares the most shall win the most, and if rough be thy path of love, tread it boldly still loving thy neighbors through thick and thin. Heap coals of fire on their heads, and if they be hard to please, seek not to please them, but to please thy master. And remember, if they spurn thy love, thy master hath not spurned it, and thy deed is as acceptable to him as if it had been acceptable to them. Love thy neighbor, for in so doing thou art following the footsteps of Christ. Amen. Well put. All right, we're going to get into our reading. We're starting in Numbers 16, starting at verse 41, going through into Numbers 18. Then we got some verse, first 20 verses of Mark 16, then Psalm 55, and then Proverbs 11, verse 7. So let's start Numbers 16, verse 41. Hear the word of the Lord. But on the next day, all the congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, saying, You are the ones who have caused the death of the people of Yahweh. It came about, however, when the congregation had assembled against Moses and Aaron, that they turned toward the tent of meeting, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of Yahweh appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came to the front of the tent of meeting, and Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from among this congregation, that I may consume them instantly. Then they fell on their faces, and Moses said to Aaron, Take your censer, and put in it fire from the altar, and lay incense on it, then bring it quickly to the congregation, and make atonement for them, for wrath has gone forth from Yahweh. The plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses had spoken, and ran into the midst of the assembly, for behold, the plague had begun among the people. So he put on the incense, and made atonement for the people, and he took his stand between the dead and the living, so that the plague was checked. But those who died by the plague were 14,700, besides those who died on account of Korah. Then Aaron returned to Moses at the doorway of the tent of meeting, for the plague had been checked. Number 17. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Aaron. Sorry, speak to the sons of Aaron. Wow, I did it again. Speak to the sons of Israel, and get from them a rod for each father's household, twelve rods from all their leaders, according to their father's households. You shall write each name on his rod, and write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi, for there is one rod for the head of each of their father's households. You shall then deposit them in the tent of meeting, in front of the testimony where I meet with you. And it will come about that the rod of the man whom I choose will sprout, 
Thus I will rid myself of the grumblings of the sons of Israel, who are grumbling against you. Moses therefore spoke to the sons of Israel, and all their leaders gave him a rod apiece, for each leader according to their father's households, twelve rods with the rod of Aaron among their rods. So Moses deposited the rods before Yahweh in the tent of, me, of testimony. Now it happened on the next day Moses went into the tent of the testimony, and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted, and put forth buds, and produced flowers, and it bore ripe almonds. Moses then brought out all the rods from the presence of Yahweh to all the sons of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his rod. But Yahweh said to Moses, Put back the rod of Aaron before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels, that you may put an end to their grumblings against me, so that they will not die. Thus Moses did, just as Yahweh had commanded him. So he did. Then the sons of Israel spoke to Moses, saying, Behold, we are breathing our last breath. We are perishing. We are all perishing. Everyone who comes near, who comes near to the tabernacle of Yahweh, must die. Are we to breathe our utter last? Numbers 18. So Yahweh said to Aaron, You and your sons and your father's household with you shall bear the guilt in connection with the sanctuary. And you and your sons with you <clears throat> sorry, shall bear the guilt in connection with your priesthood. But bring near with you also your brothers, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, that they may be joined with you and minister to you, while you and your sons with you are before the tent of the testimony. And they shall thus keep your responsibility, and the responsibility of all the tent. But they shall not come near to the furnishings of the sanctuary, and the altar, so that neither they nor you will die. And they shall be joined with you, and keep the responsibility of the tent of meeting, for all the service of the tent, but an outsider may not come near you. So you shall keep the responsibility of the sanctuary, and the responsibility of the altar, so that there will no longer be wrath on the sons of Israel. And behold, I myself have taken your brothers, the Levites, from among the sons of Israel. They are a gift to you, given to Yahweh, to perform the service for the tent of meeting. But you and your sons with you shall keep your priesthood in everything that concerns the altar and inside the veil, and you are to perform service. I am giving you the priesthood as a bestowed service, but the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. Sorry, I needed some coffee. <clears throat> then Yahweh spoke to Aaron, Now behold, I myself have given you the responsibility of my contributions, even all the holy gifts of the sons of Israel. I have given them to you as a portion, and to your sons as a perpetual statute. This shall be yours from the most holy gifts, reserved from the fine, fire, sorry, from the fire, every offering of theirs, even every grain offering, and every sin offering, and every guilt offering, which they shall render to me, shall be most holy for you and for your sons. As the most holy gifts, you shall eat it, every every male shall eat it, it shall be holy to you. This also is yours, the contribution from their gift, even all the wave offerings of the sons of Israel. I have given them to you and to your sons and daughters with you as a perpetual statute. Every one of your household who is clean may eat it. All the, all the best of the fresh oil and all the best of the fresh wine and of the grain, the first fruits of those which they gave give to Yahweh, I give them to you. The first ripe, ripe fruits of all that is in their land, which they bring to Yahweh, shall be yours. Every one of your household who is clean may eat it. Every devoted thing in Israel shall be yours. Every first issue of the womb of all flesh, whether man or animal, which they bring near to Yahweh, shall be yours. 
Nevertheless, the firstborn of man you shall surely redeem, and the firstborn of unclean animals you shall redeem. Now as to their redemption price, from a month old you shall redeem them by your valuation. Five shekels in silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, which is twenty gyrus. But the firstborn of an ox, or the firstborn of a sheep, or the firstborn of a goat, you shall not redeem. They are holy. You shall splash their blood on the altar, and shall offer up their fat and smoke as an offering by fire, for a soothing aroma to Yahweh. And their meat shall be yours. It shall be yours like the breast of a wave offering, and like the right thigh. All the contributions of the holy gifts, which the sons of Israel raise up to Yahweh, I have given to you and your sons and your daughters with you as a perpetual statute. It is an everlasting covenant of salt before Yahweh to you and your seed with you. Then Yahweh said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, nor own any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the sons of Israel. Now to the sons of Levi, behold, I have given all the tithe Sorry. I have given all the tithe in Israel for an inheritance, in return for their service which they perform. The service of the tent of meeting and the sons of Israel shall not come near the tent of meeting again, or they will bear sin and die. Only the Levites shall perform the service of the tent of meeting, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations, and among the sons of Israel they shall have no inheritance. For the tithe of the sons of Israel, which they raise up as a contribution offering to Yahweh, I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore I have said concerning them, They shall have no inheritance among the sons of Israel. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Moreover you shall speak to the Levites and say to them, when you take from the sons of Israel the tithe which I have given you from them for your inheritance, then you shall raise up a contribution offering from it to Yahweh, a tithe of a tithe. And your contribution offering shall be reckoned to you as the grain from the threshing floor or the full produce from the wine vat. So you shall also raise up a contribution offering to Yahweh from all your tithes which you receive from the sons of Israel, and from it you shall give the contribution offering of Yahweh to Aaron the priest. Out of all your gifts you shall raise up every contribution offering due to Yahweh, from all the best of them, the sacred part from them. And you shall say to them, When you have raised up from it the best of it, then the rest shall be accounted to the Levites as the product of the threshing floor and as the product of the wine vat. And you may eat it anywhere, you and your household, for it is your compensation in return for your service in the tent of meeting. And you will bear no sin by reason of it when you have raised up the best of it, but you shall not profane the sacred gifts of the sons of Israel, so that you will not die. All right. Now Mark 16, we're going to read verses 1 through 20. And when the Sabbath passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might come and, and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week they came to the tomb when the sun had risen, and they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment were gripping them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. 
Now, after he had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and crying. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. After that, he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along on their way to the countryside. And they went away and reported it to the others, but they did not believe them either. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And these signs will be accompanying those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, and they will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven, and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everything, while the Lord worked with them, and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. And they promptly reported all these instructions to Peter and his companions. And after that, Jesus himself sent out, sent out through them from east to west the sacred and imperishable preaching of eternal salvation. All right, Psalm 55. For the crier director with stringed instruments, a mascal of David. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Give heed to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and am surely distracted because of the voice of the enemy, because of the pressure of the wicked. For they shake wickedness down upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror has covered me. I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Behold, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. Selah. I would hasten to my place of refuge from the stormy wind and tempest. Confuse, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around her upon her walls, and wickedness and mischief are in her midst. Destruction is in her midst. Oppression and deceit do not depart from her streets. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me. Then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me who has magnified himself against me. Then I could hide myself from him. But it is you, a man my equal, my close companion, and my fam familiar friend. We who had sweet counsel together walked in the house of God, in the throng. Let death come deceitfully upon them. Let them go down alive to Sheol, for evil is in their dwelling, in their midst. As for me, I shall call upon God, and Yahweh will save me. Evening and morning and at noon I will bring my complaint and moan, and he will hear my voice. He will redeem my soul in peace from the battle which is against me, for they are many who strive with me. God will hear and answer them, even the one who sits enthroned from of old, Selah, because they do not change and do not fear God. My companion has put forth his hands against those who were at peace with him. He has violated his covenant. His speech was smoother than butter, but his heart was war. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden upon Yahweh, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. But you, O God, will bring them down to the pit of corruption. Men of bloodshed and deceit will not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. 
And finally, Proverbs 11, verse 7. When a wicked man dies, his hope will perish, and the expectation of vigorous men perishes. All right. Well, that is our reading for this morning. Um, I, I hope you're set up to have a great day. Um, I would continue doing, implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God. Um, definitely would also implore you that if you haven't already gone to church this weekend, you need to go now. If you didn't have a service last night, you need to go today. You need to find yourself one, even if you need to drive a little while to get, to get to it. <coughs> it is definitely, definitely a necessity. And it is, it is true obedience to worship with the saints. That, that is what we are called to. It is not a request. It is a command from Jesus Christ that we are to worship with the saints. So it is a command from God. Thus we must. So I would definitely, like I said, continue to implore you to do so. All right. Well, I hope you have a wonderful day and I hope, hope that we get to be together this evening. I hope this time together reading through the word of God has been beneficial to you. All right. Well, let's go ahead and read or let's go ahead and do, close out with our final prayer for the morning. As normal on a Sunday morning, it's called the Lord's Day morning prayer. So let's pray. O maker and upholder of all things, day and night are thine. They are also mine from thee. The night to rid me of the cares of the day, to refresh my weary body, to renew my natural strength. The day to summon me to new activities, to give me opportunity to glorify thee, to serve my generation, to acquire knowledge, holiness, eternal life. But one day above all days is made especially for thy honor and my improvement. The Sabbath reminds me of thy rest from creation, of the resurrection of my Savior, of his entering into repose. Thy house is mine, but I am unworthy to meet thee there, and am unfit for spiritual service. When I enter it, I come before thee as a sinner, condemned by conscience and thy word. For I am still in the body and in the wilderness, ignorant, weak, in danger, and in need of thine aid, but encouraged by thy all-sufficient grace. Let me go to thy house with a lively hope of meeting thee, knowing that there thou wilt come to me and give me peace. My soul is drawn out to thee in longing desires, for thy presence in the sanctuary, at the table, where all are entertained on a feast of good things. Let me, before the broken elements, emblems of thy dying love, cry to thee with broken heart for grace and forgiveness. I long for that blissful communion of thy people, in thy eternal house, in the perfect kingdom. These are they that follow the Lamb. May I be of their company. Amen. All right, again, hope you have a wonderful day, and I hope to see you this evening. Have a good one. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Sunday, March 12th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. This is um, actually episode 193. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. Um, you can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Definitely worth your while. A lot of great listening. More more great listening than you're going to have time to listen to. You're going to end up having to pick and choose. But uh, it definitely great, great great way to spend your time picking and choosing 
some of the great content there to listen to. So again, would definitely encourage you to get on over there and listen to that. All right, we're going to go ahead and jump straight in very quickly this morning because I got to go make some homemade mac and cheese for our church picnic this afternoon. So, and get ready for church, which I hope you were doing as well. Um, if you didn't go to church last night, you need to be going to church this morning. Um, and again, it's not a request. It is a command from God. And if we're not being obedient, then we're being sinful. So we need to do that. I, I know there are some people who have absolute physical, you know, issues and can't. And I get that. But otherwise, it's us being disobedient if we don't. So and Zoom church isn't church. Like I like I said, in the morning segment, it is an oxymoron. Those two words don't go together. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and open up with our with our first day evening prayer. And then we're going to get into our into our reading. So first day evening prayer, it's called the teacher. O God, we bless thee, our creator, preserver, benefactor, and teacher, for opening to us the volume of nature, where we may read and consider thy works. Thou hast this day spread before us the fuller pages of revelation, and in them we see what thou wouldst have us do, what thou requirest of us, what thou hast done for us, what thou hast promised to us, what thou hast given us in Jesus. We pray thee for a conscious experience of his salvation, and our deliverance from sin, and are bearing his image, and are enjoying his presence, and are being upheld by his free spirit. Let us not live uncertain of what we are, of where we are going. Bear witness with our spirit that we are thy children, and enable each one to say, I know my Redeemer. Bless us with a growing sense of this salvation. If already enlightened in Christ, may we see greater things. If quickened, may we have more abundant life. If renewed, let us go on from strength to strength. Give us closer abiding in Jesus, that we may bring forth more fruit, have a deeper sense of our obligations to him, that we may surrender all, have a fuller joy, that we may serve him more completely. And may our faith work by love towards him who died, towards our fellow believers, towards our fellow men. Amen. All right. Now our evening devotion for March 12th. Um, the text is from 1 Samuel 30 verse 13. To whom belongest thou? No neutralities can exist in religion. We are either ranked under the banner of Prince Emmanuel to serve and fight his battles, or we are vassals of the black prince, Satan, to whom belongest thou. Reader, let me assist you in your response. Have you been born again? If you have, you belong to Christ, but without the new birth you cannot be his. And whom do you trust? For those who believe in Jesus are the sons of God. Whose work are you doing? You are sure to serve your master, for he whom you serve is thereby owned to be your Lord. What company do you keep? If you belong to Jesus, you will fraternize with those who wear the livery of the cross. Birds of a feather flock together. What is your conversation? Is it heavenly or is it earthly? What have you learned of your master? For servants learn much from their masters, to whom they are apprenticed. If you have served your time with Jesus, it will be said of you, as it was of Peter and John, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. We press the question, To whom belongest thou? Answer honestly before you give sleep to your eyes. If you are not Christ, you are in a hard service. Run away from your cruel master. Enter into the service of the Lord of love, and you shall enjoy a life of blessedness. If you are Christ, let me advise you to do four things. You belong to Jesus. Obey him. Let his word be your law. Let his, his wish be your will. You belong to the beloved. Then love him. Let your heart embrace him. Let your whole soul be filled with him. 
you belong to the Son of God, then trust Him. Rest nowhere but on Him. You belong to the King of Kings, then be decided for Him. Thus, without your being branded upon the brow, all will know to whom you belong. All right. Well said. Yep, we are we are either the slaves of Jesus or we are the slaves of Satan. That That's it. It's a dichotomy. You're one or the other. You're not in between. You're not neither. You're one or the other. That That's just how it is. From birth, from birth, we are slaves of Satan till we come to a new life, till we come to a new birth, till we are reborn. That That's just how that is. The Bible is very clear about that. All right. Well, we're going to jump straight in and try to get through this um, as quickly as possible. And wow, I've already turned pages and didn't mean to do that. Okay. So we're going to continue our reading in The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson. Again, as I've said before, this is not just for men. Okay. That's how Thomas Watson labeled it and worded it. But this is the picture of the godly person. This is what a godly person should look like. And if we are truly saved, we are striving to be this godly person. That is our walk of sanctification. We don't just get saved, and then when we die, we go to glory. We are supposed to be working out, um, I believe it's Peter that says, says, or maybe it's Paul, one or the other says, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that's talking about that walk between when we are saved to when we are glorified. We are to be doing it with fear and trembling, but we are to be working it out. Okay? So this is what Thomas Watson is talking about here. This is the picture we should be looking at. So we've dealt with the other chapters up to this point through chapter 7. So today we're going to be reading chapter 8, which is an exhortation to persevere in godliness. So let's read. Chapter 8, an exhortation to persevere in godliness. Use 2. My next use is to exhort those who wear the mantle of godliness, and in the judgment of others are looked upon as godly, that they would persevere. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Hebrews 10.23 This is a seasonable exhortation in these times, when the devil's agents are abroad, whose whole work is to unsettle people and make them fall away from that former strictness and piety which they have professed. It is much to me to be lamented to see Christians, number one, wavering in religion. How many we see unresolved and unsteady like Reuben, unstable as water. These the apostle rightly compares to waves of the sea and wandering stars. Jude 1.13 They are not fixed in the principles of godliness. Beza writes of Bolsichus that his religion changed like the moon. Such were the Ebionites who kept both the Jewish and the Christian Sabbath. Many professors are like the river Euripus, ebbing and flowing in matters of piety. They are like reeds bending every way, either to the Mass or to the Koran. They are like the planet Mercury, which varies and is seldom constant in its motion. When men think of heaven and the recompense of reward, then they want to be godly. But when they think of persecution, then they are like the Jews who deserted Christ and walked with him no more. John 6.66 6, If men's faces altered as fast as their opinions, we would not know them. To be so vacillating and wavering in religion argues for taking it lightly. Feathers are blown in every direction, and so are feathery professors. Number two, falling from the godliness which they once seem to have. This is Christians are falling from that godliness which they once seem to have. They have turned to worldliness and wantonness. The very mantle for their, of their profession has fallen off, 
and indeed, if they were not fixed stars, it would be no wonder to see them falling stars. The spiritual epilepsy of falling sickness was never more rife. This is a dreadful sin for men to fall from that godliness they once seemed to have. Chrysostom says that apostates are worse than those who are openly heinous. They give godliness a bad report. The apostate, apostate, says Tertullian, seems to put God and Satan in the balance, and having weighed both their services, prefers the devil's service and proclaims him to be the best master. In that respect, the apostate is said to put Christ to open shame, Hebrews 6.6. This will be bitter in the end, Hebrews 10.38. What a worm Spira felt in his conscience. How Stephen Gardiner cried out in horror on his deathbed that, like Peter, he had denied his master, but unlike Peter, he had not repented. That we may be steadfast in godliness and persevere, let us do two things. Number one, beware of those things which by degrees will make us fall away from our profession. Number one, beware of covetousness. Men will be covetous, having a form of godliness but denying the power. Second Timothy 3, 2 and 5. One of Christ's own apostles was caught with this silver bait. Covetousness will make a man betray a good cause and make shipwreck of a good conscience. I have read of some in the time of Emperor Valens who denied the Christian faith to prevent the confiscation of their goods. Number two, beware of unbelief. Take heed lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. In departing from the living God, Hebrews 3.12, there is no evil like an evil heart and no evil heart like an unbelieving heart. Why so? It makes men depart from the blessed God. The one who does not believe God's mercy will not dread his justice. Unbelief is the nurse of apostasy. Therefore, unbelieving and unstable go together. They did not believe in God. They turned back and tempted God. Psalm seventy-eight twenty-two and 41. Number three, beware of cowardice. The one who is afraid to be godly must surely be evil. The fear of man brings a snare, Proverbs 29.25. Those who fear danger more than sin will commit sin to avoid danger. Origen, out of a spirit of fear, offered incense to the idol. Aristotle says the reason why the chameleon turns so many colors is through excessive fear. Fear will make men change their religion as often as the chameleon changes her color. Christian, you who have made a profession of godliness so long, and others have noted you as a saint in their calendar, why do you fear and begin to shrink back? The cause which you have embarked on is good. You fight against sin. You have a good captain who marches before you, Christ, the captain of your, the captain of your salvation, Hebrews 2.10. What is it that you fear? Is it loss of liberty? What is liberty worth when conscience is in bonds? It is better to lose your liberty and keep your peace than to lose your peace and keep your liberty. Is it loss of estate? Do you say, as Amaziah said, as Amaziah did, what should I do about the hundred talents I paid? Second Chronicles 25.9 I would answer with the prophet, the Lord can give you much more than this. He has promised you a hundredfold in this life, and if that is not enough, he will give you life everlasting. Matthew 19.29 if you would hold fast to your profession of godliness, then, number two, use all means for perseverance. Number one, labor for a real work of grace in your soul. Grace is the best fortification. It is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. Hebrews 13.9 Question. What is this real work of grace? Answer. It consists in two things. 
Number one, grace lies in a heart-humbling work. The thorn of sin pricked Paul's conscience. Sin revived, and I died, Romans 7, 9. Though some are less humbled than, the, humbled than others, just as some bear children with less pangs, all have pangs. Number two, grace lies in a heart-changing work. But you are washed, but you are sanctified, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. A man is so changed, it is as if another soul lived in the same body. If ever you would hold out in the ways of God, get this vital principle of grace. Why do men change their religion if it is not because their hearts were never changed? They do not fall away from grace, but for lack of grace. Number two, be deliberate and judicious. Weigh things well in the balance. Which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Luke 14.28 Think to yourselves what it will cost you to be godly. You must expect the hatred of the world. John 15.19 The wicked hate the godly for their piety. It is strange that they should do so. Do we hate a flower because it is sweet? Yet the godly are hated for the perfume of their graces. Is a virgin hated for her beauty? Yet the wicked hate the godly for the beauty of holiness which shines in them, and secret hatred will break out into open violence. 2 Timothy 3.12 Christians must count the cost before they build. Why are people so hasty in laying down religion, if not because they were so hasty in taking it up? Number 3. Get a clear, distinct knowledge of God. Know the love of the Father, the merit of the Son, and the efficacy of the Holy Spirit. Those who do not know God correctly will by degrees renounce their profession. The Samaritans sometimes sided with the Jews when they were in favor. Afterwards, they disclaimed all kindred with the Jews when they were persecuted by Antiochus. And no wonder they shuffled so in their religion if you consider what Christ said about the Samaritans. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. John 4.22 They were enveloped by ignorance. Blind men are apt to fall and so are those who are blinded in their minds. Number four, enter into it purely out of choice. I have chosen the way of truth. Psalm 119.30 Espouse godliness for its own worth. Whoever wishes to persevere must choose godliness with reproach, rather than sin with all its worldly pomp. Whoever takes up religion out of fear will lay it down again out of fear. Whoever embraces godliness for gain will desert it when the jewels of promotion are pulled off. Do not be godly out of a worldly intent, but out of a pious choice. Number five, labor after integrity. This will be a golden pillar to support you. A tree that is hollow must of necessity be blown down. The hypocrite sets up in the trade of religion, but he will soon go broke. Their heart was not written with him, nor were they steadfast. Judas was first a sly hypocrite. Psalm 78, 37, sorry. Judas was first a sly hypocrite, and then a traitor. If a piece of copper is gilded, the gilding will wash off. Nothing will hold on but sincerity. Let integrity preserve me. Psalm 25, 21. How many storms Job was in. Not only Satan, but God himself set upon him. Job 7, 20. Which was enough to have made him desist from being godly. Yet Job stood fast because he stood upright. My righteousness I hold fast, and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me as long as I live. Job 27.6 Those colors hold best, which are laid in oil. If we would have our profession hold its color, it must be laid in the oil of sincerity. Keep up the life and fervor of duty. 
fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Romans 12.11 We put coals on the fire to keep it from going out. When Christians grow into a dull formality, they begin to be dispirited, and by degree they abate in their godliness. No one is so fit to make an apostate as a lukewarm professor. Number 7. Greatly exercise self-denial. Let him deny himself. Matthew 16.24 Self-ease, self-ends, whatever comes in competition with or stands in opposition to Christ's glory and interest, must be denied. Self is the great snare. Self-love undermines the power of godliness. The young man in the gospel might have followed Christ, but something of self hindered him. Matthew's, Matthew 19.20-22 Self-love is self-hatred. The one who cannot get beyond himself will never get to heaven. Number 8. Preserve a holy jealousy over your hearts. Do not be haughty, but fear. Romans 11.20 The man who has gunpowder in his house fears lest it should catch, catch fire. Sin in the heart is like gunpowder. It may make us fear lest a spark of temptation falling on us would blow us up. There are two things that they that make us always jealous of our hearts the deceits of our hearts, and the lusts of our hearts. When Peter was afraid that he would sink and cried to Christ, Lord, save me. Then Christ took him, up, took him by the hand and helped him. Matthew 14, 30 and 31. But when Peter grew confident and thought he could stand alone, then Christ allowed him to fall. Oh, let us be suspicious of ourselves, and in a holy sense clothe ourselves with trembling. Ezekiel twenty six sixteen. Number 9. Labor for Insurance. Be diligent to make your calling and election sure. Second Peter 1.10 The one who is sure that God is his God is like a castle built on a rock. All the powers of hell cannot shake him. How can that man be constant in piety who is at a loss about his spiritual estate and does not know whether he has grace or not? It will be a difficult matter for a man to die for Christ if he does not know what Christ that Christ has died for him. Assurance establishes a Christian in shaky times. The one who has the Spirit of God bearing witness to his heart is the most likely to bear witness to the truth. Romans 8.16 Oh, be diligent, be much in prayer, reading, and a holy conference. These things are the oil without which the lamp of assurance will not shine. Lay, number 10. Lay hold of God's strength. God is called the strength of Israel. 1 Samuel 15.29 It is in his strength that we stand more than in our own. The child is safest in the nurse's hands. It is not our holding God, but his holding us that preserves us. A little dinghy tied fast to a rock is safe, and so are we when we are tied to the rock of ages. Ephesians 6.10 All right. Well, that is our reading in Thomas Watson's The Godly Man Picture, Godly Man's Picture for the Day. A little bit shorter, but glad we were able to get through that and uh, spend this time together this morning. I, again, I hope this reading through Thomas Watson's The Godly Man's Picture has been beneficial to you um, and edifying to you. Um, it has been for me. It's been wonderful to go back to this great man of God and to read through uh, the way he writes. Um, I know I stumble a little bit, and that that's just me and my reading, <laughs> unfortunately. But it's definitely been such a boon to me to be able to read through this and to read through it with you. So I hope it's been beneficial to you. As I said, as we get into this coming week, um, we will be wrapping this up and then I we will be getting back into our Bible study in John 6. So let's go ahead and close out with our Lord's Day evening prayer. Let's pray. 
Most holy God, may the close of an earthly Sabbath remind me that the last of them will one day end. Animate me with joy that in heaven praise will never cease, that adoration will continue forever, that no flesh will grow weary, no congregations disperse, no affections flag, no thoughts wander, no will droop, but all will be adoring love. Guard my mind from making ordinances my stay or trust, from hewing out broken cisterns, from resting on outward helps. Wing me through earthly forms to thy immediate presence. May my feeble prayers show me the emptiness and vanity of my sins. Deepen in me the conviction that my most fervent prayers and most lowly confessions need to be repented of. May my best services bring me nearer to the cross, and prompt me to cry, None but Jesus. By thy Spirit give abiding life to the lessons of, the day, of this day. May the seed sown take deep root and yield a full harvest. Let all who see me take knowledge that I have been with thee, that thou hast taught me my need as a sinner, hast revealed a finished salvation to me, hast enriched me with all spiritual blessings, hast chosen me to show forth Jesus to others, hast helped me to dispel the mists of unbelief. O great Creator, mighty Protector, gracious Preserver, thou dost load me with loving kindness, and haste me, and I'm sorry, and hast made me thy purchased possession, and redeemed me from all guilt. I praise and bless thee for my Sabbath rest, my calm conscience, my peace of heart. Amen. All right, well, again, thank you for spending this time with me. I hope you have a wonderful evening, and I hope to see you in the morning. Have a great night. God bless. Thank you.